We're going to look at how some of those dynamics of healing work in Mark chapter one this morning. So it tells us that now, remember, they were in the synagogue and Jesus was preaching with authority and a man who was troubled with a demon began to kind of react and Jesus cast the demon out. And we saw that in that one act of um, exorcism or deliverance that Jesus has an authority in the spiritual realm that is unprecedented because the people are really shocked that he can cast out a demon with just a word. Okay, so that was kind of where we uh, left off. And now we move on, and after the synagogue, so at the Sabbath still, remember that, that's an important detail for a minute, they, move, they go on to Simon Peter's house uh, with, you know, right now the disciple group is only four, James, John, Simon, and Peter, and they go to Simon Peter's house, and his mother-in-law is sick. Now, a little fun historical fact is that, that this home, it was actually found by archaeologists buried under the ruins of a 5th century Byzantine church. Isn't that really interesting? And um, historians think that they had the home open on display for people to come and see where Simon Peter lived from somewhere like in the mid-1st century onwards for a number of years. I just thought that was a cool kind of fun fact, just another way that we see that the biblical testimony about Jesus is verified by history and archaeology and all those things. So let's, let's look at what happens here in the scene. It says that Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. And so what does Jesus do? He, first, he approaches her. Okay? He's not afraid to go towards sick people. And we'll say more about that in, just a, in, a, in a few minutes here. But then he takes her hand and he lifts her up. Okay? It's a, with the word uh, raises her up, it's the, it's the, it literally means raised her up. And there's a connection there to God's resurrection power that flows through Jesus' life, even before he himself is raised. And he lifts her up. And so the first, there's going to be five dynamics that I talked to you about today about healing. And the first dynamic is that healing is often uh, transmitted through touch because healing happens in a human body because there's a transfer of power from God in his being, which is um, all powerful and can make, can do anything and make people whole. And there's a transfer of that power through someone else often with the laying on of hands into the body of the sick person. Okay, so it's why like when we read about the woman who was grabbing at Jesus's garments who had the issue of blood, Jesus says, I felt power go out of me. Okay, so there's actually sort of something we might call a divine energy or power that flows often through the laying on of hands into sick people. Jesus himself said in Mark 16 that his disciples would lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So Jesus expected that when we pray for the sick, that we will often be laying hands on them. Okay. Um, most healings that I have seen happen, uh, miraculous healings, somebody was laying hands on somebody when it happened. Mostly. Not always. There, there are times when we don't lay hands and God just works. I saw a lady who was healed of a terminal illness through, she was listening to a sermon on healing. I was preaching on, a, on the healing ministry of Jesus and uh, it inspired faith in her. And she went back to the doctor that week and found out that the, the um, disease that she had was completely gone and her immune system levels were all perfect. Praise God. But it's often that healing is transmitted through touch. So let me just tell you a quick story. I can remember one of these was there was a lady that I was praying for at a, at a meeting and she had diabetes and her, she had problems with swelling and pain in her feet. So I got down. I said, can I put my hands on your feet, you know, on top of her shoes? And as I was praying for her, she, she could, I could tell she was moved. And I said, what's going on? And she said, I can feel like electricity, like in my feet as you're touching them and praying for them. Okay, that, that wasn't me. That was God's power flowing through me as a conduit. And then uh, later that week, she reported that her blood sugar levels had normalized and, and things like that, and, and her feet were feeling better. So that's a, that's a transmission of God's power uh, through us. 
And we are conduits for that power when our faith is active, when we are our trust in God's um, ability to heal, but also his willingness and his desire to is flowing through us. Just like the electricity that comes out of the grounding in the wall here makes this light bulb come on, there has to be a conduit, something that conducts it. And it's that, you know, it's the wiring that runs through here. And our faith is like that wiring, a live wire, when, or, or the power of God moves through us when our faith is active. Okay, so we want to be a place that builds up people's faith for healing because that element has to be there, right? There has to be faith. Um, That is how the healing power of God will flow. Okay, moving on to the next scene here. So there's this one single healing, and then the next thing you know, now there is a multitude at the door of Simon Peter's house. So word spread fast in those days. Remember, it's an oral culture. So testimonies get out and people take them and run with them quickly. And it says that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon possessed. Now, Mark's giving us a detail there that it's after sunset. And the reason is, remember, that it's still the Sabbath, right? And so you don't work on the Sabbath. You don't carry sick people to the healer on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do healing on the Sabbath either. But Jesus seems to be okay disregarding that rule. He, he made them after all, right? He, he made the rules so he can use them and fulfill them and do as he likes with them, okay? But the people bring the sick to Jesus, and uh, what we see happening here is that there, Mark uses the language of all or many. He's, he's healed many sick people, and he cast out many demons. Now, he categorizes those two things separately. Mark usually does. So there's this category of people who just simply have sickness in their body for whatever reason, and they need that condition healed. And then there's people who are tormented by demons, and they need that spirit sent out of them, just like the man in the synagogue. However, we also see sometimes in the gospel that sickness is, is inspired and incited by demonic activity because Jesus lays hands on people sometimes, and he says, you blind and spirit, or you, you deaf and mute spirit come out of him. Right? So there are demons of affliction and sickness, but Mark, is, he keeps those categories separate for the most part in his gospel. So we know that sickness isn't always caused by demons, but sometimes it can be. In either way, Jesus has the power to do something about it. Amen? So he begins to, um, in, in mass, start sending demons out and healing the sick. And, and this is what's happening here, because we saw one single deliverance in the synagogue and one single healing. And it was just a fever that was healed. It wasn't like somebody was, you know, dying and Jesus raised them up. But there are these two kind of things that happen initially. And now all of a sudden, the multitudes are there and the healing power and the deliverance power is flowing. And Mark is telling us that the inbreaking of the kingdom is here and it's beginning to spread like wildfire. So, so the new king who's in town, remember we talked about last week how Jesus was the king at his baptism. The father said, this is my son. He's, he's, I, I'm pleased with him. He has authority and my stamp of approval on him. Now we see that that king is advancing his dominion. He's gaining territory. But notice that he doesn't do it in the usual conventional way that we expect kings to do that through military force and earthly might. He does it through acts of love and compassion that bring wholeness into people's lives. So Mark wants us to see that now um, we have sort of just this this infiltration that's just beginning to spread across the spiritual territory of people's lives. This is why Jesus told his disciples, he said, go and heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Those two things go hand in hand, healing the sick and proclaiming the kingdom. Okay. And often when we pray for the sick and we see a miracle, so, because God is willing to heal unbelievers. Do you know that? 
as a sign of his love and his grace. But he wants them to also see that that healing is a small picture of what he wants to do for the whole person, which is salvation, which is healing of their soul, their relationship with God and in all of it. Okay. Okay, so so the kingdom is advancing in this powerful way, and we see dynamic number two is this. So dynamic one is that healing is often transmitted through touch. Dynamic two is this, is that God loves to advance his dominion on earth through healing. Okay, He loves to. It's so evident all throughout the New Testament, and I don't understand why so few churches today are actually taking that seriously and really going after advancing the kingdom in that way. Are we going to be a church that advances the kingdom in that way? Yes, because it's our calling to, right? Because it's what it means to be like Jesus and do the things that Jesus did. Now, there's this weird little thing at the end of that part of the passage that says Jesus would not let the demons speak because they uh, they knew who he was. And I said a little bit about that a couple weeks ago, and that's a sermon in and of itself. But suffice it to say that Jesus wanted his identity revealed on a certain timeline and in a certain way, and he wasn't going to let the demons of hell be the ones who announced his identity. Okay, so he shushes them because they're well aware of who he is in the spirit realm, the all-authoritative and all-powerful son of God. Now, moving into, deeper into the passage here, it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. You notice Jesus' intentionality about prayer? If you're not intentional about solitude and prayer, it won't happen. Prayer will not just happen to you. You hear me, right? You hear me say this all the time. I hammer this. Prayer will not just happen to you. You have to be intentional about it. Jesus got up while Peter and James and John were all snoring. They hadn't even got up and had their coffee yet. And Jesus gets out after a night full of ministry. He gets up and he goes and he is intentional about his prayer life. Now, it says in the gospel very early in the morning while it was still dark, and the Greek there really um, emphasizes the dark. It says something like, while it was still quite very dark <laughs> outside. And so I looked up, what time does the sunrise in Jerusalem right now out of curiosity? And it's 6, 10 a.m. So you got to think that Jesus is maybe up by 4 a.m. If he's spending uh, ample time in the Father's presence after a night of ministry. I know that after a night of doing healing ministry at a healing service, I sleep in the next day because it's taxing. But Jesus got up to go recharge his batteries and stay in communion with the Father. And there's a connection here that Mark is making. And that connection is between Jesus's prayer life and the flow of God's spiritual power through him. There's a connection between our prayer lives and the amount of uh, the level at which God's power works through us to transform the world around us. Amen. Okay. so you've got to blow the dust off the prayer closet if you haven't been there and you have to be intentional or you won't get in there to see God working in and through you in the way that he desires to. Okay. Jesus told his disciples in another passage who were having trouble casting out a particular demon who seemed to have very strong power over a young boy. They said, why couldn't we cast it out? And Jesus said, this kind only comes out by prayer. Okay. This kind only comes out by prayer. So there's particular kinds of situations that need people who are anointed because their prayer lives are diligent and faithful. You know, um, I, I, I would say this for us, that, that the church that sees a lot of healing will be a church that does a lot of praying. Amen. Let's say that together. The church that sees a lot of healing will be a church that does a lot of praying. 
Because prayer builds faith in us by connecting us to the heart of God. The more you lean into prayer, the more your heart becomes tenderized and sensitive to his presence and your faith level begins to go up, 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 up. Oh God, you're so good. You want to work through me. I believe I have faith. You want to touch people today and you want to use my hands to do it. Hallelujah. That's what prayer does. And so the third dynamic is that power for healing is undergirded by faithful, continuous prayer. Power for healing is undergirded by faithful, continuous time in the Father's presence. How y'all doing? Good? We're cruising quick. I decided that I wasn't going to do these 45-minute teaching lessons, especially when we have communion. I'm just going to preach, and we'll get what we need out of this, this gospel. Because you see, if, it was, if I was in teaching mode, we'd still be back up in verse 30, not in, in, not in 40. We'd still be going through some more details of things, and there's a time and a place for that, but not today. Let's look at this story now in verse 40. So Jesus goes from ministry, healing power flowing through him, uh, casting out demons into uh, some amount of sleep and then rises up early, goes into the father's presence to to be refilled and renewed and refreshed and to keep his heart close to the Lord's. And now he goes back out and immediately ministry, right? Because his disciples come to him. um, They find him praying and they say, what are you doing? Everybody's looking for you, man. You're like the most popular guy in town. Come on, we got to go. And Jesus, instead of saying, yeah, man, bring them to me. I'm getting a lot of fame and this is great. I'm just going to hang out here in Capernaum because it is going well and I got a stadium full. Jesus says, nope, we got to move on to other towns because I was sent to continue to spread the gospel throughout the lands. He has no, no desire to uh, just build his fame and build his platform as, uh, as a great human being. He wants to simply do the will of the Father. Okay. So now it says this, um, a man with leprosy came to him. So, so the word has been spreading through the land very quickly, very quickly. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So leprosy is what we call today um, Hansen's disease, and it, and it, it makes your skin die and fall off, and you can even lose fingers and, and things like that eventually. It's a very like gross disease. And it also, in, in ancient Jewish times, it made you ritually impure. So not only were you considered sick and to be stayed away from because you were infectious, you were shunned because you were ritually impure too. And you had to go through certain um, things once you were healed, if you ever recovered from it, to get yourself incorporated back into the community. So what Je- how Jesus interacts with this man is stunning. It's stunning. He says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. That's faith. You can make me clean. Okay. Now, this is a really interesting thing, and it depends on which Bible translation you're reading, but your Bible either says Jesus was indignant or Jesus was filled with compassion. There's different things. The NIV says indignant, and I want to go with that because I think that there's just a little... The reason is that, just as a side note, a little side teaching note, in history, there are sometimes small variants in the manuscripts. And that's because, remember, in early days, these manuscripts were being copied and transmitted on throughout communities, and the, the level of variance in them is, is infinitesimally small, okay? Which is, why, which is another reason to trust the, the historical accounts of the Gospels and so forth in the New Testament about Christianity. But sometimes there are these little variants, and it could be that a scribe thought, was reading this and thought, no, indignant can't be the right word. It's got to be that Jesus felt compassion based on his response to heal him. But I want to argue that it actually is that the original manuscript probably did say indignant. Well, why that? To be indignant is to be angry. It's like righteous anger. So what was Jesus angry at? 
Well, is he angry at the leper because he just doesn't want the leper to come close to him? He's like, whoa, 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 stay away from him. Well, no, that can't be the case because we see that his response is compassionate. He says, I'm willing, and then he heals him. So it can't be that. So why is Jesus indignant? And I would say to you that Jesus is indignant at the crippling power of sickness. And, and also, in this case, the social taboo that comes along with leprosy. Because God, when he sees brokenness in his world, it makes him furious. He hates it, right? Because it's like a cancer infecting his good creation. And whether it's sin or sickness or death, when God looks at it, he sees it as an enemy to be overcome. So Jesus, Jesus says this to the man. Jesus, Jesus always treated sickness as an enemy, by the way. He, he never said, um, that's your cross to bear and it's going to make you holy, so I'm not going to be able to heal you of it. I'm just saying. Now, I do believe sometimes God works through sickness and suffering to make us holy. I do believe that personally. But Jesus never said that. He didn't use that as an excuse to not heal people, right? He, he, always, he always healed and always showed willingness. He always treated sickness as an enemy to be destroyed. And I would say this, if we want to see more healing in our midst, we should adopt the same posture. We should see sickness as an enemy to be overcome and to be destroyed, no matter what the cost of prayer, faith, fasting, whatever it is. So Jesus says this, I am willing. Everybody say that with me. I am willing. That is the heart of God. I am willing. So not only does Jesus see sickness as his enemy, his compassion fuels his willingness to eradicate it. And he cleanses the man. And he's now tells him, go and show yourself to the priest as a testimony, which is probably Jesus's way of subtly saying, go show them that my ministry is legitimate. But then go through the ritual cleansing and you're going to also be incorporated back into society. Because Jesus heals not only bodies, he heals hearts. He heals broken hearts that feel isolated and cut off from others. Okay, Jesus heals the whole person. Okay. Now about Jesus's willingness. Most people believe that God is able to heal them. If, I, if everybody who has sickness in their body here today, which is probably a good number of us, we, we said, is God able to heal your sickness? We would all say, yes, heck yes, he is. Absolutely, he's able. He's God, he's all powerful. But if I said, do you actually believe with faith that God is willing to heal your sickness right now? How many of us would say, yes, absolutely. Right, so, so many of us, many people believe that God can heal their sickness, but they struggle to believe that he wants to and he's willing to, okay? F.F. Bosworth, who was an old um, uh, healing evangelist in the earlier 20th century, he said this, saw thousands of people healed in his ministry. He said, in our revivals, I have seen faith rise mountain high when the truth of God's present love and compassion began to dawn upon the minds and hearts of the people. It is not what God can do, but what we know he yearns to do that inspires faith. So to see our faith level rise for healing in our midst, when people are in need of healing, we need to believe not only that God can do it, but that he wants to do it and that he yearns to do it. We need to get his heart. And that comes through faith, through prayer, through worship. Okay. And, and growing in faith, by the way, it's not an emotional workout where you're like, oh, I got to get my faith up. I got to oh, I got to believe, got to believe. It's more of like a deepening trust in the compassionate character of God based on what his word says. It's just, it's just a little bit more objective than that, right? So we need to pray, God, give us faith to believe what your word says about you is true so that we will see the miracles that you want us to see. So dynamic four is this. God's compassion drives his willingness to heal the sick. God's compassion drives his willingness to heal the sick. Heal the sick. We have one more point, and it's the most important of all. Because the compassion that we experience 
in healing, it's the same compassion that compelled Jesus to lay down his life to die for our sins. So, so with everything, there really is a direct correlation to the cross and the crucifixion in the ministry of healing. Isaiah 53 says in this passage, this prophet Isaiah is speaking, looking forward to this suffering servant who's going to come and, and live a certain way and do certain things for God's people, take away their sins and things like that. It also says in the Hebrew, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. And, and we know that, that that's valid theologically, that interpretation, because Matthew tells us in one of his passages, he says, Jesus was healing all their sick. And then he says, this was to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah said. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. So, so on the cross, Jesus is not only kind of like a magnet taking all the power of sin in the world and pulling it into himself to die for it. He's also taking all of the ramifications of a sin-broken world, including sickness, disease, cancer, death, all of that. He's taking it onto himself. And so like the forgiveness of sins, just like the forgiveness of sins, healing is made available to us through what Jesus did on the cross. And so dynamic five is this. Healing is a gift that was purchased by the blood of Jesus. And faith... Faith is what draws on the supply of healing that has already been purchased. And now there are other factors, right, in healing and faith. But today I'm just focusing on that one in particular, is that there, faith is a, is a huge factor in kind of drawing on what is available to us. A deepening trust in the good and compassionate nature of God, right? And, and we want to, on one hand, we want to avoid being a people who kind of feel like we have to get work up a hype, in the room for faith, for healing, okay? You're not, I mean, unless I really actually feel, you're not going to hear me up going, oh man, the anointing for healing is so strong right now, I feel it. I'm not going to say that if I don't feel that, okay? Because I think some people do that because they're trying to lift people's faith, but we, what we want to do is be a people who are so fixated on the Lord in worship, in his heart, in the things that we're singing, and the things that we're proclaiming from the word, that, we, that our faith is rising in our hearts, that he's a God who's active and present among us and wants to heal sick bodies and sick hearts and broken people, okay? And then we say, wow, the Lord is here to heal. Let's, 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 let's press into this and pray for the sick, okay? That's, that's what we want to go for. And hey, man, if God is moving one day and it's like, wow, the Lord is in this place, the anointing is here for healing, then I'm going to proclaim it, okay? But we want to avoid hype, but we also want to be a people who are not complacent about pressing into worship and trying to get our hearts in that place of faith where we can take hold of what God wants to do for us. I think, I think too many times we stop just shy of like that kind of breakthrough where the Lord is like, wow, they're really pressing in. Let me just do a work in their heart so that they have the faith to, to really see and believe what I want to do in their midst. Okay, God always wants our expectation, I think, to be higher than it is. Yeah, safe to say? I think it's theologically safe to say that. Okay. So, so one of the clearest signs, just kind of wrapping this all up, one of the clearest signs in Jesus's ministry that God's kingdom was advancing through him was the constant flow of healing power, making people whole and, and casting out demons kind of goes in with that as well. One of the clearest signs in Jesus's ministry that God's kingdom was advancing through him was the constant flow of healing power, making people whole. Nearly 40% 
of the story portions in the gospel, so like 40% of the stories in the gospels are about healing. So do you think there might be a correlation between the father's heart and how he wants ministry done on the earth to reflect his power and his love and his truth? You think there might be a correlation between that and the ministry of healing? I think so. It mattered to the Lord. It was one of the things he did most in his ministry. It should matter to us, and it should be one of the things that we do most in ministry, is, is lay hands on the sick and believe that they will recover. I want to see God's kingdom advance that way among us, and I know that you do too. I know that you do too. So here's a question for us. How will Adoration Church be intentional about meeting this need and moving the kingdom forward in Orlando? What does that look like for us? Okay, in a couple of weeks, our Wednesday night vision meeting will be some training in uh, praying for the sick because every Christian is equipped by the power and authority of Jesus to pray for the sick. And some people have a gift of healing where the Lord just gives them a bit of a leg up in that ministry and healing flows more naturally through them because the Lord has given them that gift. But Jesus says that the conditions for being a person who can lay hands on the sick so that they recover is belief in him. Those who believe in me, all my followers. And I want to be a people who obey all the commands of Jesus because part of discipleship, Jesus says, is make disciples, teaching them to what? Obey some of what I have commanded you. All of what I have commanded you. Luke chapter 10, verse 8. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. That's a command from the Lord. We want to be obedient. We want to not only practice it ourselves, but we want to train people. We want to train new believers how to lay hands on the sick so that they recover. We want to see people flowing in the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit from day one. So let's be committed to that as a church. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that it doesn't really depend on us, but yet you call us into this cooperation of faith where we open our hearts with a radical openness in expectation for what it is that you want to do, Lord. So we just pray that you would not only anoint these words so that we believe them, but so that we would practice them. Lord, we thank you that you're here today, that you verify your word by the signs and wonders that accompany it. So Lord, as we go into worship now and we just prepare, prepare to spend a few minutes in prayers of the people today praying for the sick, we just pray that your anointing would be here, the anointing for faith, the anointing for faith that opens our hearts to receive what you have for us, that helps us trust that you are the best and most compassionate God. That the, the same compassion we saw in Jesus with the leper is the same compassion that's present to us today in this room by your Holy Spirit, who is your love poured into our heart. Lord, we thank you. We ask that you seal this and you bear fruit from these words in Jesus' name. Amen.